0: Welcome to the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville scene. You can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore.
0: Michael, your first appearance on the show. Good to have you. Good to see you. Has anything happened in Nashville Predators land in the last couple of days? Anything at all?
1: I think it's been pretty boring here. You know, nothing ever, nothing fun ever happens with a Predator.
0: So, (laughs) nothing fun um they only make huge trades on holidays that's what happens yeah. uh for the national predators of course great piece about it from their own account for like a half hour <laughs> I, I know that's really smart marketing by the by the by the franchise uh, of course,
1: happened while they don't have a reporter brooks bratton left and they have no reporters so it's like why why, why couldn't you have hired a reporter before this happened
0: <laughs> so you can read i know michael you've got stuff up right now on the post all over the, the ryan mcdonough tray which is going to be a huge part of what we're going to talk about today on the show, what does that mean for Philip Forsberg? Because we're contractually obligated to talk about him. Uh, I'm, I'm. Fa- I don't know about you. I am fascinated by this Russian prospect thing going on because the NHL draft, of course, Thursday evening, depending on when you're listening to it tonight, potentially uh, the first round, and then of course round seven through two through seven will be on Friday morning. Basically, uh, I'm fascinated with how the Russian war in Ukraine is actually affecting the draft and some players and free agents and all this other stuff. So it, I, I am. Utterly fascinated with that, so we'll get into that, and of course, um, have some have some fun today on the show as well. But of course, before we do that, Michael, this is this is your first time on the show, yes. so the gold standard. Let's see if you will see if you can do it. The gold standard is brought to you by.
1: I, I know this one. It's brought to you by Jasper's.
0: You did it. That's all there was to it. How do you feel?
1: Good. I, I now I must say now that I've I've mentioned them on the podcast, I, I feel like I have to go and enjoy. I've heard Jasper's has a really good burger and anyone that's met me knows I, I love food and the way to my heart is a really good burger. So I'll have to go give it a try.
0: Are you okay with uh, pork barbecue on sweet potato fries, waffle fries? What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know how you cannot be okay with that. Uh, it is one of their signature items. Go to Jasper's of course. Uh, now here's a, here's another question. Free parking game room is awesome. Do when you play air hockey, do you, are you allowed to trap the puck? <sighs>
1: no no you didn't know it's, it's cheating
0: thank you thank you i, I try to
1: think of an argument for being able to do it but i just i can't it, no don't do it
0: that is that that question is for an audience of one person <laughs> just 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 know everybody's out there listening so uh, go to jasper's free parking we we they are one of the best preds bars in nashville one of the best sports bars in nashville you can sit down with your spouse and have a great meal uh, of course, you can go hang out in the game room, which has got air hockey, pop a shot, skee ball, you know, shuffleboard, darts—you name it. It's all free. Big screen in there. Uh, so, of course, uh, they also have the gold standard cocktail, uh, which is named after this year' podcast, which is the crowning achievement of uh, of our lives here on the show. So, go check all that stuff out. Okay. So, what was your first reaction, Michael, when you saw the trade? Because there's lots of different reasons why this this move was made. It has lots of different impacts. But Philip Myers, Philippe Myers, whatever you call him. He is being traded to Tampa along with Grant Mishmash, a former second round pick. Uh, It's about um, a little less than three and a half million dollars, give or take off the cap that is going to Tampa Bay for Ryan McDonough, a 33 year old defenseman who's played almost 800 games in the NHL. He's been a captain. He played for the Rangers for a while. He's been to three straight Stanley Cups, Um, just in general, six point seven, five million dollars. AAV. What was your first reaction? Like, what's the first thing? You think about when you see that come across the line, you you go, that means what?
1: My first reaction was, how are you bringing in a defenseman that you're you're going to be paying almost seven million dollars to, and you're not okay with giving Philip Forsberg eight and a half million a year? That was that was my first thought. <laughs> and then I went to Cap Friendly and kind of looked at how much longer. I was like, oh, if it's an, if he's got one or two more years on his contract, it's fine. He's got four more years at six point seven five million a year. And he had a, a full no-trade clause in three of those years, and the last one was a modified no-movement clause. So then I was thinking, well, he probably let, like, I, obviously the lightning came to him and, and made him told him made him aware of what was going on. And, and I figured, okay, well, if he had to waive his no-movement clause to come to Nashville, that's a, that's a good sign, right? It's a good sign that a player his caliber, someone who is, I think, he had the second most um, minutes played. Second most average ice time in the playoffs behind Victor Hedman for the Lightning this year. Someone who who is that key to their success wanted to come to Nashville. He even said that as much in his introductory press conference. He said, "You know, they're, you know, I, I he said he kind of liked the upward trajectory of the team that he feels like they're they're always a, a yearly competitor, and that's something that he wants to be a part of." And I know the fan base will tell you that being just making the playoffs is no longer ex- acceptable, but I I think it's a good trade for Nashville. I think it's a win win because if you look. Take a deep dive into the numbers, which we can do here in a second. He's 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 maybe like a, a two year older version of Matthias Eckholm And I really like that they're adding someone who is a similar player for player like Echelm to this team. And I even tweeted after the trade, I think the player is going to benefit the most from Eckholm benefit the most from this trade is Eckholm Because if you play McDonough with Yossi, Alex Carey is going to slide down, who I know you're a fan of, and he's going to play with Eckholm. That that is immensely better than playing with Dante Fabro because I'm very <laughs> talented on Dante Fabro right now. And if you if you keep Carrier and, and Yosi together, you can play McDonough with Ekholm. And as we saw, you know, 2016, 2017, the Predators are have been their best when they've had that shutdown defensive pairing. It was Ekholm and Subban at the time. And I think if you put McDonough with Ekholm, you can have that shutdown defensive pairing again, which I think is what this team kind of thrives on.
0: I do want to explore some of the pairings. And, and so we'll get to that in just a second. Cause now they have like seven left-handed defensemen and like three yeah. right-handed defensemen. So That's they're good. Point. They are going to, they are going to ask somebody to play offhand. But like, again, that happens in the NHL all the time. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I, I thought there was a couple of different things here. We can get to the cap space as well. I, I could not believe that that mishmash and Myers, by the way, were like three and a half million dollars almost like off the cap. Like that just yeah. was, was a big, it was much bigger number than I thought it was going to be when I first saw the trade. But it feels like a salary dump for Tampa Bay, obviously. To your point, he clearly could have said no to Nashville at any time he wanted to, but he said no, let's go. So he probably sees some upward mobility here for the Preds. I do think that the defense core last year was, I don't, I don't know, what do you think? Like the worst we've seen it since I don't know when. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: it was it was probably as bad as it's been the last couple of years. And you're and you're talking about a team that's trotted out, you know. Peter Grandberg and, and Matt Irwin and, and historically bad people and you and you look and what's funny is the first probably third of the year with with Borwiecki and Benning you thought that they finally solidified that third pairing and then injuries and COVID stuff and then players going up and down and Philip Myers for whatever reason it just didn't click and then you you look at how bad the defense was and you could argue. I don't want to say they had a collapse in the second half of the season because they still made the playoffs but they weren't they were better they had a reverse of the of the, of the previous year. They were worse in the second half and they were better in the first half. and I think that was largely because the defense wasn't good. And UC Saros rarely gives up 5-6 goal games and he had I don't know how many of them during the last 20 games of the season because the defense just couldn't stop anyone in front of him.
0: And the only time Saros really gives up like just obvious goals is when the defense has let him down. Like he doesn't yeah. give up too many. Like unless you're beating him with something spectacular. Or you're beating him with like a wide open, you know, backdoor pass to on a two on one where he just has no physical human ability to get over there and make yeah. a stop. Like that's on the defense. And I'm, I'm with you. I thought the defense was the worst I've seen in probably pre Stanley Cup era. Um, and And so I think getting a guy who's been a captain who is physical, I think he is limited. In, in certain areas, like we're used to Carriers and Yossis and Ellis's, even, you know, with the shot from the point from Ryan Ellis. I don't think he brings a lot of that to the table, but I think he shores up the physicality, 6'1", 220, shores up the defense core. You know, we were talking last week on, on a couple of these issues, like, wh- what are the other moves they're re- getting ready to make around Philip Forsberg? Should they bring him back, which they're close on? And by the time you're listening to it, it could, he could already have the deal done what are the other moves? And we were like, well, we need another forward and we need another defenseman, like a high level defenseman. How do they get that guy? Well, now they've got a guy that, you know, you could argue you're getting at the very worst possible time, but you're probably going to get two really good seasons out of him. And and I think that guarantees their defense in front of Soros and allows them to be a more top three ish team in the central division. If you can resign Forsberg, if you can't resign Forsberg, then none of this matters.
1: Yeah. And then the good thing is you don't need Ryan McDonough to be really good for five more years. You just need him for two, three, three years, maybe because you have David Ferrance, you have Jeremy Davies in the pipeline that you can call up. You, you might draft someone you might draft someone tomorrow night that that'll, you know, in two years could be your, be the next Sam Girard. Hopefully they don't trade him. Um, you could go out, Poyle could go out tomorrow and trade for, you know, another stud def- defenseman. It's just, it's all up in the air, but there's one thing that this team does well. It's developed defenseman. So if they can just, I don't want to call Ryan McDonough a placeholder. He, he's a very good, talented player, but he is 33. He's on the tail end of his career. They just need him to be good for two or three more years and kind of fill that shutdown role while either Ference or Davies or another prospect or another trade yeah, chip yeah. comes in and kind of fills that role in probably about three or four years.
0: So again, we'll get to the cap space. We'll get to what it means for Forsberg because I think it's a pretty clear signal to, to fill up that like, hey, dude, we're trying here um and we'll get to the pairings but but real quickly on the metrics of what ryan mcdonough brings to the table i've seen a lot of the heat maps and a lot of the efficiency charts and there's some people that say he's not as great on the penalty kill even though he plays a ton on the penalty kill he doesn't bring a whole lot to the power play he is sort of your like traditional physical lockdown cerebral defenseman who's not who who, like at home. you're not going to notice a lot it feels like he's going to play 22 minutes a game and you're not going to feel like you notice him a lot right is that what the metrics say to you
1: yeah and I, and I don't know who's saying he's not as great on the penalty kill as they, as they believe because I mean the guy played the eighth most penalty kill minutes in the NHL last year he played the fourth highest percentage of his team's penalty, penalty kill time only three other defensemen played more of their team's penalty kill time than Ryan McDonough who is apparently on the decline and not only that he he's really he like the only defenseman that had more shorthanded minutes per game last year, more than Ryan McDonough was Matias Ekholm. So that right there shows me that when you're playing, the Tampa Bay Lightning don't just play slouches. When they get to the playoffs, they're playing really good teams. I don't think they're going to throw someone out there for that long on the penalty kill if he's not a good penalty killer. It just doesn't make sense. So whoever, whoever's telling you Ryan McDonough is not, not as good on the penalty kill as, as he used to be, I think they they need to check
0: the stats. It, it, it was an illustration on Twitter, so obviously it was true. Like It had to, it had to oh, be true. Oh, yeah. So here's the other thing. Poyle, like Tampa Bay had no leverage in this deal. And I don't know, like, again, Philip Myers, we thought was a nice piece in the trade when they get rid of Ellis. He, you know, I thought the game looked a little too fast for him, frankly, w- yeah. watching Ma- Myers again, that's not analytics. That's just the old old man scouts eyeballs there. Um, I don't know what Mishmash had really accomplished in the system to be considered a, a he was not considered a, a, pro- uh, a high-level prospect for this team. I mean, to me, this is David Poyle seeing an opportunity with some cap space to get it, make his defense better today. Like I, for all the talk of, I think it's time for David Poyle to move over and slide over. And maybe somebody new needs to make decisions. It's a pretty savvy, uh pretty big move. I feel like from, from Poyle manipulating Tampa Bay into a salary dump essentially for a pretty good player.
1: Yeah. It's funny when David Poyle pulls off a trade, there's always this overwhelming feeling at the beginning that he fleeced the other GM. We thought that with the, the Grandlin and Fiala trade, we thought that with the with the Forsberg trade, he he has some good hits and he has some bad misses, but I do think this is one of the ones where Tampa Bay was kind of, they were in a jam. They they did not want to, and I think their GM even said, I think it was, I put this in my story. He was like, I didn't want to trade Ryan McDonough. He was like, if we weren't in a flat cap era, he's like, I would yeah. not have asked him to waive his move, move, no movement clause. That would not, have, I would have had him here for four more years. So it was clear that he, that Tampa did not want to get rid of him, but I don't know how many millions of dollars they are over the cap, and they want to re-sign Andre Pallott, and that's going to probably cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 million. So, I mean, getting rid of Ryan McDonough's salary was a was a big kind of nugget for them. But also, David Poyle, and I mentioned this in my story, too, he got rid of two, I guess you can call them prospects. I wouldn't really call Myers a prospect. He's almost twenty-six. Um, he got rid of two players that really had no long-term future in Nashville for whatever reason. I think you're right. The game looked too fast for Myers. And maybe that's a product of Philadelphia does not play the up-tempo kind of style that the Nashville plays. And maybe he would, he's better suited in, in a system where he can be that stay at home defenseman where he can just kind of stay in his zone, not really do too much. They're not going to rely on him to score some goals. He can just be the big tree if you will out there and just kind of hit people that that's not, Nashville likes to play a physical style, but they need their defensemen to be able to play on the rush. They need their defensemen to be able to go into the offensive zone and do something besides just stand there. And, and Myers just didn't really do that. And from, you know, scouts I've talked to and a couple people with the admirals, he didn't really look very much better down there. You know, yep. and he's taking a step down against AHL competition. I don't want to, like, you know, hate on the guy. I, I think he could probably be a serviceable NHL player at some point, but it just wasn't going to happen here. Milwaukee also runs a very similar system to Nashville so if it wasn't working in Nashville it makes sense it wouldn't work there In mismash, other than the fact that he was big and he had a really fun name you can't really you won't really remember <laughs> the guy I mean he he's a big dude and he said all the right things and you really rooted for the guy but he he just didn't really have an offensive skill set that really made you kind of get excited about maybe watching him and you know. Get rid of two players. You you get rid of uh, essentially almost three million dollars here. You bring back six point seven five million. So you it doesn't look as bad when you put the yeah. cap numbers together at, at in the end of the trade.
0: And and, and obviously when you re-sign Jeremy Luzon to a four-year eight million dollar contract, yeah. To me, the writing's on the wall for Myers at that point. Because yeah. he's a, he's kind of a younger, more athletic version of of Myers. I do think it's interesting though. Because I I think one of the problems, you tell me what you think on this. I think one of the problems with the Preds defense, as we were just talking about, was that they didn't have enough stay-at-home defensemen. Like I felt like Fabro, Yossi, and Carrier all could kind of do some of the same things. Obviously, Carrier and Yossi better than Fabro, but like I felt like and Benning can move the puck a little bit as well, good skater. I just think that they didn't have enough of that true defenseman. And I feel like McDonough brings a true defenseman sort of, you know, maybe it's more traditional, whatever phrase you want to use. And when you look at the pairings, like my, I immediately wrote down Yossi with McDonough on the top pair. Like I wrote that down and said, if they can play McDonough on the right, he's a left handed shot, but if they can play him on the right and they could put him and Yossi together, you've got your big physical stay at home guy with your superstar on the rush puck movement, enter exit zone guy. Then you could go Eckholm and Carrier, it, or vice versa here, I guess, with your big stay at home physical defensive guy. And then you're, guy who wants to push the puck and move the like to me that feels like the perfect blend of new hockey and old hockey on both the first and second line Uh, and maybe he's not good enough mcdonough to play on the top line maybe ekholm plays up with yossi and mcdonough plays on the second line i don't know um maybe carrier plays on i I don't know like i feel like they need one of each on on the first two lines if that makes sense
1: no they, they definitely have that's that's the good thing about this trade is it gives john hines options and i think that's kind of when, when you look at it, that's really what they need. Because I don't know how many times last year, you know, we'd be watching games sitting in the press box with the rest of the Preds cheerle- cheerleaders over there. <laughs> and uh, you always watch. I think that was one of the biggest things that that annoyed me about watching this team was you, you knew what was going to happen, and it still happened. And if we could pick it out as journalists, surely the coaching yeah. could pick it out. Yeah. It was all the defensemen were playing up on the rush. They were all – really close to the net in the offensive zone. And then they got beat on two-on-ones going back the other way because they didn't have enough defensemen to get back and play. Defense. All the time. All the time. Happen at least once or twice every game. And, of course, as good as UC Saros is, he saved them on a lot of those uh, breakaways and a lot of those odd-man rush attempts that they had. But if, if if UC Saros was half the goalie that he was, the Predators would have gotten destroyed. And they probably would be picking in the top two or three of the draft yeah. this year because it, Saros masked a lot of the defensive shortcomings I feel like most of the season last year and I think that's that's the issue is they they have two their defensemen aren't really you have one stay-at-home guy and one offensive guy and I think they could benefit from that and to your point and I put this in my story this morning as well it's intriguing playing Ryan McDonough with Roman Yossi because Roman Yossi is already one of the if not the best you know offensive defenseman in the game and if you get someone like Ryan McDonough who's your typical stay-at-home defenseman that allows Yossi to take more liberties on offense. That allows him to be more creative. That allows him yep. to do more things and maybe go and, and crash in a little bit more, maybe make a few more plays that he couldn't do because someone like Alex Carrier is right up there at the net with him. If you have Ryan McDonough back, turn the puck over, okay, it's not that big a deal because you have someone capable back there that can, you know, stop the other team from rushing in and getting a two-on-one or a two-on-zero. And and I think that's that's something that they could consider. I don't know what the answer is where you play McDonough. I, I see the strengths and weaknesses of playing him with Yossi and with Ekholm. I, I think Alex Carrier playing with Ekholm is very intriguing, but I also think Alex Carrier playing with Roman Yossi is very intriguing as well. And I do think, looking at their at their pairings, you're looking right now. It looks like the top four is going to be Ekholm, Yossi, Carrier, McDonough, in whatever order. You're looking at a third pairing of Dante Fabro and Jeremy Lazan. And I think that looks much better heading into this season than Mark Borvetsky and Matt Benning did last season.
0: Man, that's it. Cause I, cause I'm with you said this earlier. Like I thought Burrow Cop and Benning were one of the better third string defense pairings we've seen on this team in a while. And and like don't you, d- don't you just, dis- don't you watch. disparage Matt Irwin, by the way. I, one of my favorite players to talk to about anything matter when great great interview so don't oh super
1: don't... nice guy not not the best hockey player
0: <laughs> no but we will not besmirch his good name on this podcast we, we are pro matter when stands on the show here now um ben harper eh, another story but yeah. i do think lazan is interesting in all this it seems like it's it's flown so under the radar like we haven't really talked about it much on the show because of all the stuff that's been going on but like the Luzon contract is cl- like, they're not picking in the second round because of Jeremy Lazon Then they yeah. gave him $8 million. Like it's clear that they view him as a starting piece. That's going to play meaningful minutes, maybe not right away, but certainly over the course of the next few years, I, he's kind of a, a missing, maybe forgotten piece is a better term for him.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the fact, I think he's 24 or he's 23 about to be 24. He's, he's somewhere between 23, 24, somewhere in there. Um, a second round pick is an awfully steep price to pay for a third pairing defenseman. Yeah. But I think the fact, like you said, they signed him, they gave him $8 million. I think David Boyle looking at this and evaluating evaluating him and maybe, maybe John Hines knows something about his defensive game. The rest of us don't see John Hines is very smart X's and O's hockey coach. Maybe John Hines sees something in Jeremy Lausanne where he's like, you know what, give him a year or two in my system and he can be a top four defenseman. Maybe that's it. Maybe they and it seems like going in a lot harder on Jeremy Lozon than everyone else is. And maybe there's a reason for it. But based off of what we saw last last, you know, the last 20 games he had with the team, his role is to kind of be that stay at home defenseman. He he throws a lot of hits. He's not afraid to get into some fights. I think it'll be good to have someone like him to anchor that third pairing because Dante Fabro can be more offensive. But he—he's. I feel like he's still learning, which is crazy because he's been in the system for like three or four years. You yeah. think he'd pass that learning, and he would be a stable. When they first drafted Dante Fabro, I thought, okay, if he could be anything like Kevin Klein, be that second, third pairing defenseman that doesn't really mess up a lot, you don't really notice him, but contribute, can contribute a goal when needed, that would be the perfect scenario for Dante Fabro. And I feel like he's he's kind of fallen short of that. But I think. Yeah. He's I think he's Jeremy Lozon will be will be good to work with someone like that.
0: Yeah, and I saw like I, I saw him come out of the gate with a lot of talent. And I would really thought he did really well. Then he kind of stepped back in his second first full season, and like I didn't like what I saw. Then I thought last year he got a little bit better, but it wasn't as good as we expected. So it's kind of been this like up and down evaluation of his progress. I would not be surprised if all of a sudden Dante Fabro somehow puts it all together and in his fourth or fifth full season in the NHL, all of a sudden he's a pretty good defenseman. I I wouldn't be surprised at that. I'm not banking on it right now, but I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, $18 million in cap space now after all this move, by the way, I don't understand the Philly people that are are talking about these trades like Myers. Like to me, if you want to do the actual calculus on the Ryan Ellis trade, the, the national predators traded Ryan Ellis and got Ryan McDonough, Cody glass and Matthias Ekholm that that is what they got for Ryan Ellis. They traded him away and they got the money to sign Ekholm. They now have acquired McDonough for nothing. And, and they got Cody glass. Who's, you know, ideally a, a starting centerman on one of the bottom two lines next year for this this team. That that's a huge win for the predators. That's not a, what what are the Philadelphia people doing? (laughs) Yeah. I saw,
1: I saw someone, I think he was from Philly. He tweeted me when I, when I tweeted out, um, I think it was something like the Preds got a goal and five points from from yeah. Black and, and Myers, and then the Ellis got the same thing. And I was like, "But the the Preds paid significantly less." And also, part of that that I didn't mention that you I think you mentioned was hello. They got the extra six point two five million a year right. by Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm is far and away the better defenseman than Ryan Ellis. And, that's, and I'm not saying Ryan Ellis is bad, but Matthias Ekholm is one of the most underrated. Defensive defenseman in the NHL. And the fact that they were able to keep him, that, tr- that trade showed to me that that David Poyle clearly favored Matthias Eckholm over Ryan Ellis. And as right. as he should, Eckholm is better. But also, like that's that's the un the unseen part of that trade was was opening up the cap space to re-sign Eckholm. And a lot of people don't realize that. And it was it was not a very good trade. Both teams don't look good coming out of it. But even if even if you wash everything else, the Predators re-signing Eckholm, I think, was was the yep. key to that trade right there. That's why he made it.
0: It's it, I, also Eckholm played hockey games last year. So there's that yeah, more than five. <laughs> there's, there's, there's that. Um, so again, Cody glass, Ryan McDonough and Matias Eckholm is what you got for, for Ryan Ellis. That's just, Dude, I'm not that, ready
1: to throw the towel in on Cody glass. The kids only no, I mean, three. I still think he can be a pretty, at least decent top six forward. If all things go according to plan and John Hines can work his, his developmental magic or whatever, I think he could be a pretty good top six forward. He just, yep. he needs stability. And the unfortunately, company. we've been saying with Tolvin, and that's what we've been saying with Fabro. Like I know. All I know. guys that need stability.
0: A Cu- couple, uh, couple of weeks ago, Carl Taylor, long sit-down interview I did with him, talked a lot about Cody Glass. So if you want to see what he needs to work on, what do you think he can be in the future, make sure you go check out that interview. Um, all right, so there's $18 million in cap space. We'll get to Philip Forsberg here before we do that, of course. A reminder that the Gold Standard is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at... Jaspers. Look at you, two for two. I like that. You're like a... You're like a John Hines power play. You actually score goals. Unlike well, I listen to the received.
1: podcast frequently. So I've heard Jasper's enough <laughs> that, that even if, even if I, it's not related to the gold standard, if I heard sponsored by or brought to you by, I automatically think Jasper's
0: that's Hey, can, can, If we, I'm going to clip that and I'm going to send it to the wonderful, amazing folks at four top hospitality that, that are the, the great people that put on Jasper's that, that is the next evolution of the sports bar. It's a great place to hang out. Of course. Uh, free parking, great sight lines, TVs everywhere, shuffleboard, game room. You know it. The, the flatbreads are amazing. The shareables are great. You can go for a nice meal and get some like, they got like scallops. They got all kinds of great stuff on the menu. So they get, you can go kind of for whatever type of evening you'd like to go for. You can go. It's, it's, it's what makes it uh, it, it is, it is the five tool sports bar is what it is. I think. Yeah, as, as a, sure. yeah exactly. So go to Jasper's. Okay. So we'll get to the draft real fast and, What the hell's going on with Russia? But $18 in cap space. Gover said last week on this episode, it means that there's probably at least two moves coming on top of Forsberg. And certainly he nailed it. We've got the McDonough trade now as proof of this. There's still enough money to go get Forsberg. I still think they need another piece. I still think they need another wing. And it seems like that that we're going to have probably some space for that. If the the numbers, what we're talking about, is about $8.5 million for Forsberg. It seems like they're going to have some space for that. So I guess the first point I would make is that trading for Ryan McDonough and Ryan McDonough saying yes to coming to Nashville in the 11th hour of this Forsberg negotiation, to me, it's the thing that should push it over the finish line. To me, this trade is the signal to Philip Forsberg that David Poyle and the Predators want to win and compete now. We can agree or disagree on whether or not that's sound judgment or not. But with McDonough, with Forsberg, and maybe with the third piece, this team certainly does look like a... I don't want to say a division contender, but it certainly looks like it could be a team that could finish second or third in the division.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I happen to think that you guys are right. And, and usually it's funny how Gover is very knowledgeable about this team. And it's always funny how, when you talk to him and you kind of float the stuff out, it's always fun to play armchair GM in the off season. But it's, it's usually every time he says something like that, I call him Gov for a reason. <laughs> Every time he says something like that, usually within three, four or five, maybe up to a week after something along the lines of what he was saying happens. And I, I think he's right. I think say you get Forsberg eight and a half or eight point seven five million. That's still going to leave you with roughly nine to ten million, depending on, on what other of your internal, you know, UFAs and RFAs you keep around. Um, that's still going to give you around ten million in cap space. Say you you keep one or two of those other players. Yakov Trenin is really the only guy I'd, I'd really be concerned about you know bringing back. You can let Matt Benning go. You can let Luke Cunning go. Luke Cunning was very worthless last year.
0: Yeah, there's um, no space almost now for a guy like Benning, honestly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you let those guys go because they would probably command at least a million and a half to, to three million, somewhere in that range. And I think you go and you get another top six forward. And if, if I'm David Poyle, I'm looking at – There's a few guys, but if if I'm David Poyle, the guys I'm considering is whoever the Colorado Avalanche don't re-sign between Nachushkin and Andre Burakovsky. One, you go and get those guys because they both had career years this year. They very much prove that they are top six forwards. I think you go and get whoever the Avalanche don't re-sign because, one, you're taking them away from a division competitor, and two, you're adding someone that just won a cup. And they talked about it when they traded for McDonough. The whole reason they, they wanted someone like him is because he's won he's won before. He, he's been there, he can be that veteran presence and that that voice in the locker room whenever right. they are down two or three games the avalanche.
0: I, I love the Stanley Cup experience and I love taking something away from Colorado as a strategy. I don't love re signing somebody off, off of a career year when they played with that much talent. Any concern about playing with those players? Like when you're with Kadri and McKinnon and Landeskog and like that's that's why you're having a career year though right are you concerned about that
1: true I, I would worry more about it I guess with Burakovsky just because this kind of it wasn't like a slow build up to this year it was like he had a good year like a, a mediocre year and then it yeah. kind of bounced down and stuff with Nachushkin ever since Dallas drafted him I don't know in the first round I remember however. Many years ago, it was. There was a lot of hype around him. He was supposed to be like the the next Genny Kuznetsov, that what Kirill Kaprizov is now. That's what he was supposed to be. Right, right. He's always had the talent. He's always had, I don't want to call it the hype, but he's always had that kind of the expectations that he could be that guy. And I think now it's. I think playing with the Avalanche's talent really helped him. But I feel like it's more of it's a it's a realization of his potential. So I would worry less about it with nichushkin than I would with Burakovsky. That being said, there's probably a greater likelihood the Avalanche are thinking the same thing, and they re-sign Nichishkin and Burakovs, Burakovsky. is available, but
0: I, um, I don't. And I, they to, I think Line a has one what one more year on his deal. I think so. You'd have to go get you have to trade for Line, a, which is different, right? Then
1: restricted free agent this year, so they, okay. they could offer sheet him, or they could try to to do you know what Los Angeles did with Fiala. Maybe if oh, Columbus right. is going to sign him, offer offer them a first round pick and a prospect. I think if you're the Preds right now and you're looking the seventeenth overall pick, and I I don't know anyone that's not Yurislav Askarov or Igor Ivanosiev. A first-round pick and a prospect, and you bring back Patrick Liney, who is who is a multiple-time 35, 40 goal scorer. I think that would be a great move for David Boyle.
0: At what 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 is he resigning for though? Like seven, eight million? I mean, I don't know. He's That's... Probably he's
1: probably going to be around there. You might have to make another trade to free up the salary cap yeah. kind of space. But if if you're looking at a top six that includes mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg and Patrick Liney and Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Grandlin and probably Philip Tomasino, that looks way better than what you entered last
0: season with. No, I agree. I agree, and I don't. I don't love Line A all the time, but when he's good, you're like, hot damn! Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: that dude, guy's that only like, I still think he's only like
0: 24, which right, is crazy. which is yeah, feels he's like been, he's been in the league for 10 years. Yeah, he's been on two teams already. He's been in the yeah. playoffs a bunch of times. So I do think there's another one coming, and that's that is what if you can get Forsberg re-signed at it about. It's, I'm assuming it's going to be eight years, eight and a half million per. We're yeah. probably going to have. There's probably going to be some escalating no movements that happen throughout the. You know, like. Maybe he gets control of the no movement for three years and then it comes off the of books. Maybe it's partial, you know, whatever. That, that's kind of the last trade chip that Poyle is probably holding back on here. Um, but they got that. There's one other move still left to be made on top of the McDonough move and the Forsberg resigning. And if they do that, then I feel like this team is more of a contender. They have actually changed their lot in the Western conference. I, again, I don't think they're better than Colorado. I don't think I don't, depending on what, Edmonton looks like, or some of the development players that are happening out in the Pacific division. There's a lot of teams that are developing a lot of young talent right now. I I don't know where this team falls, but, but Minnesota is not, is Minnesota going to be significantly better? Is St. Louis going to be significantly better? I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing that David Poyle is trying to tell the fans that they just don't want to hear is no one is going to be Colorado. This That team this year with the collection of talent that they had Colorado next year, isn't even going to be Colorado this year. And the Colorado avalanche or the, excuse me, the Tampa Bay lightning, I think we can all, all can agree are a pretty damn good team. And Colorado was just skating circles around them at at certain points. It was, it was a good series. It was, they had a couple one goal games, but it's, it's hard to, to be that deep in that talented. So I think that that's what David Poyle is trying to say is, we're we're probably never going to be as deep and talented as Colorado was this year. I think he's trying to to tell the fans like we can still be competitive. We can still beat Colorado. We're just going to have to beat them not playing their game. And that was the thing. They weren't fast enough to keep up with Colorado this year. Yeah. And instead of trying to be the physical team they were, they tried to play Colorado's game and Colorado just just beat them into the ground doing it.
0: So, is July 13th the deadline they have to get a deal done for Forsberg? Is that do I have the the, the right that's next week sometime?
1: Yeah. It, so I mean, the they clock is him. they can resign him after that but they lose that 8th year after July 13th.
0: Right. So they they're the clock is kind of ticket on this. Here's yeah. my here's my question. When people are listening to this, do you think Philip Forsberg is resigned?
1: <sighs> Honestly,
0: who knows? This,
1: I feel like this Forsberg situation changes every hour, but I would say I would say no. And the reason I say that is because I I do ultimately think he will resign with Nashville, but I think it's going to be kind of like last year. The the avalanche Gabe Gabriel Landeskog. I think it was an eight-year, seven and a half, or seven million dollar a year contract, and it happened like an hour before free agency started. I don't know if they'll cut it that close, but I think it'll it'll come down to probably a day or two before free agency starts where where they get this thing hammered out. And yeah. and Pierre LeBrun said it perfectly in his in a story the other day. He was like, "It's hard to see that this deal will get blown up over just five hundred thousand dollars. That's
0: yeah. essentially what it's yeah. coming down to." Yeah, that's that's where we're at. And that could just mean one other player that they need to jettison before they sign him because they've got somebody else in the works that they may want to go go sign or acquire as well. So uh, there you go. There's your there's your mandatory contractually obligated segment on Philip Forsberg and his contract negotiation. So the draft is here, Michael. And again, I I don't know how you view yourself. I am not a scout. I do not take time out of my day to to study the OHL or college hockey, as Bucci Main would say or uh, or even the khl although we're going to talk about the khl in a second but the draft of course coming up thursday evening um you got round one 6 p.m predators pick 17th arizona picks fourth 27th 32nd thirty-fourth, 36 43rd and 45th that's i think that's what eight <laughs> picks in the top 50 which is insane that's how you rebuild quickly or yeah. not so not so quickly but the but rounds two through seven will be on friday um We'll get to the Russia stuff in just a second. I, again, we'll have a much bigger reaction to who the, the Preds draft next week on the show. And we'll be able to dive a little deeper, hopefully with some expertise from the scouting departments on, on exactly who they got and, and why they drafted them. I've seen, you know, this Bischel guy, the defenseman's mocked to them. I've seen Pickering, Owen Pickering mocked to them. I, I don't have any insight to offer people. Again, I'm not a scout. Uh, maybe you are, sir. But um, uh, it's certainly of note, and we will have lots of reaction to it on Thursday and Friday coming up next week on the show.
1: I, I am not a scout, but... Well, I don't even, I don't even want to add a but. I, I <laughs> do like watching prospects. I do... I don't keep okay. up... Okay, all right. I don't keep up with it like I, I used to. So when I was with uh, Justin Bradford at Penalty Box Radio, that was kind of... They brought me in to do prospect stuff, and that's kind of how... After I left on the forecheck, that's kind of how I got back into the Preds game. Was was watching, you know, not hours and hours. Like I'm not Corey Pramming or anything, but I was <laughs> watching some uh, some prospect tape, some Montreal or not Montreal, wow, Milwaukee Admirals games, YouTube highlights and stuff like that. So I, I'm a little more educated than the average fan, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go scout territory. But I, so I do. Let
0: me let me ask you strategy then. Defensemen. Now that they've gotten McDonough, now they've gotten rid of Myers. They've re-signed Lausanne. Do they need to go? Like they are lacking in the defenseman department in the in the prospect pipeline here. Do they need to go defenseman with the first round pick? Or are you okay with anything of value in the first round pick?
1: If there, if if it's like a like an Ellie Tolman situation where you're sitting there at pick thirty, and then an offensive player falls into your lap that you don't expect to be there, then and then obviously yes, because this team. Depending on, on how you view Alex Radilov, hasn't really developed, like drafted and developed their own top flight offensive forward. I think Philip Tomasino is kind of changing that narrative a little bit, and Igor Afanasia could potentially change that as well. But for whatever reason, this team is really good at finding defensemen and goalies in in, in the mid to late rounds, but they cannot find a first round offensive forward that they can <laughs> draft and develop that can be their guy. So if, there, if there's an offensive player that falls to them, I, I would be okay with that, but I, I just feel like they've, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like the last three or four drafts, they've taken offensive players with their first, at least their first pick and probably their first one or two picks.
0: Yeah. Other than Askarov or Askarov. Yeah, other, other um, yeah. I
1: can, I can see them going defensemen and there, there's a lot of good defensemen that could follow them too. Like you said, Pickering, um, there's another guy I'm trying to, I'm trying to find him. I don't know how to pronounce his name and I don't want to even attempt it without looking at it because I, it would just sound terrible, but there's, there's a lot of guys that, um, here it is. Denton M- Chuck. Nice. Oh, it w- sounds great.
0: Show? Sounds great, dude. It, I'm sure that was exactly right. Made a check,
1: model check, whatever. I've seen I've seen him mock to the Predators. He's projected <laughs> to go around 14, 15. He could probably fall to 17. Um, he's he's a little undersized. He's I think he's 5'11 and 188 pounds. So basically think Ryan Ellis, maybe Shane Gostisbehere, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, he, he's a pretty good offensive player, from what I understand. Um and he's he's dynamic and he, he fits the Predators mold of being the dynamic defenseman. If, you, if you're if you're not Philip Myers and you're six five, you're expected to stand there. And if you're not if you're right. not you fit that mold, you're expected to be small and be fast and, and to go score. And that's that's kind of those are the defensemen that usually work in the Predator system. So I could see them going defenseman first round. Absolutely.
0: So one of the other storylines and again, we'll hopefully have a really smart and thoughtful reaction to all the Preds. Hopefully we'll get a scout for you guys to, to react to who they draft next week on the show. But one of the other storylines that I'm fascinated by is this whole Russia thing. And they have not missed out on the first round, meaning there's been a Russian player drafted in the first round every year of the NHL draft since 2005. They've never been shut out of the first round. Um, You've already mentioned it. There's a handful of guys that are mocked in the first round that are Russian right now. There are, they've, they've done like they've been as well represented in the NHL draft in the top few rounds as any other country in the world. So, but There's all kinds of craziness happening. We know about the the war with Ukraine, but that is what's leading to teams maybe worried about how can I, when can I get this prospect? When is he going to be shipped off to some like, you know, military camp in the middle of nowhere where we can't access him. He can't practice. He's not playing in the KHL. He's not doing whatever they thought he was going to be doing. And this is not even happening just to current potential draft picks. It's happening to prospects in the system and You've got stars, Russian stars from the NHL. Kaprizov, I think, is one of them. Where they're being detained and they cannot come back to the states. They're getting their travel visas revoked. Like this is batshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's I've never seen this as it pertains to a draft like this. I, it is so interesting to me. I have no idea what's going to happen or where it's going to go, Michael. But I am utterly fascinated by it.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on. There's, there's a guy. His name is Andrew. Zadernowski, he his bio, Twitter bio says I'm not a journalist, but I enjoy what I do here. And he says he writes for Habs Eye on the Prize, and he talks on TSN and 99 Sports. So he he's got almost 10,000 followers. So he's he's probably at least connected to what's going on with with some of the some of the NHL teams. He said he tweeted earlier upon hearing about the arrest of Ivan Fedotov, Kirill Kaprizov. Reportedly, immediately returned to the United States. His name is linked to fraudulent military IDs being sold to players, including Fedotov and Kaprizov is now wanted in Russia, per Sports Express. Which is crazy that that just it tells you how bad the situation is over there. That some of these players are having to use basically fake military IDs to get out of the country. That's and insane. I know I Michael Russo reported um, he's the, the Minnesota beat writer for the Athletic. He reported that. He reached out, I guess, to the or to the to the wild and asked, and he heard that um, Kaprizov is not back in the United States. So there's a potential. There's oh potential God. he could still be over there, which is just crazy because you're looking at some of these guys maybe never ever getting out of Russia because of how bad it is over
0: there. He, he's in the. So I don't know if you. I don't know if you're a uh, Ben McIntyre fan. He's an author. He wrote this the the Spy and the Traitor, one of the greatest KGB, MI6, CIA books you'll ever read. It's about the Cold War like i'm i'm seeing kapril kaprizov like one of the best players in the in the western conference in the nhl the highest level in the world i can just see him getting in a trunk in moscow and like somebody having to drive him to finland like that's that's what that's, that that is what happens in the book and that's what i'm seeing in my head and i'm going this is 2022 what are we doing
1: yeah and and you wonder what some of these players that are that are nhl prospects that that are NHL teams own the rights, but they're still over in Russia because they either played for the KHL or they were, you know, in whatever the junior leagues are over there. You you wonder what's going through their mind if they're if they're like I'm I'm trapped here. I'm going to have to play in the KHL for the rest of my life, or I'm going to be captured and sent to like a military camp, and, and the Russian government is going to control my <laughs> life from now on. Imagine being that happening to you at 18, That's thinking insane. you're going to be a professional hockey player. It's
0: just it's absolutely insane. Like it's nuts. That whole. All every one of those sentences you just said is completely insane to me. I don't. I, it's 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 beyond comprehension. Um, and looking I, I, at the
1: draft rankings, it, it, I don't think it'll affect this draft as much as it normally would, because usually the first round is at least half of them are like Russian players. And you look at it, right. the highest ranked Russian prospect is Dania Yurov. He's ranked number ten overall by the Athletic. And then I think you get to thirteen. You have another another winger, and then you have. And give someone else in like the twenties. And then after that, it's, it's all second and third round picks, but you have at least three players that are probably really impacted by this, especially if you're, you're off. You're, you're, I mean, he's, he's essentially, he's slotted to be drafted around where Philip Forsberg was when the capitals took him. I,
0: I honestly think this is an opportunity for the predators, honestly, like whether it's 17, I guess it's not in the second round, but if it's, if somebody, if they just all fall, because no one wants to take the risk, if you can get a top 10 player at 17 great and again if this is a guy who's going to take years to develop well hopefully we're not in war times in ukraine for years that would be atrocious and terrible for everybody yeah i i think there's like this is kind of like the baseball thing where a player drops in the baseball draft because you think he's gonna he's not he's gonna sign for overvalue and so he falls into the second round even though he's really a top five pick like i think that could happen here and if the preds are on the clock or in the If the clock is late second round and some top 15 players available, trading up to grab a guy like that on offense, I think especially on offense, would be I I would be totally for it because you don't need him for three or four seasons. I I'd like to think it would all work itself out before then. But I think this is an opportunity for the Preds. In theory, if somebody falls, go ahead and take them. Like I I don't have a problem with that. I think it could
1: be a little risky with their with their first round pick just because they're in that weird transition where they're they're not bad enough to be picking in the top five but they're not good enough to be picking in the 25 to 30 range so i think it's kind of if you're picking in the in the mid-teens you 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 need to be as sure as you can about picking that player um but i think you're right if they're sitting in this in the second round they don't have a second round pick but if they somehow get up into the second round or if it's a third round and you're looking at a russian player that should have gone you know 20 30 picks or a full round ago and they're still there you have to do it and if he never plays for you again Oh well, he doesn't play for you again. The Predators have plenty of third-round picks. Jimmy VC, Red Pitler <laughs> have not played for them, so
0: it's it's yeah. worth the risk, is all it is. the ca- The calculus to me is very, very simple. So we'll keep an eye on everything that's going on with Russia. We'll have a really complete breakdown for you uh, from the NHL draft coming up next week on the show. So um, stay tuned for all of that. Uh, otherwise, preseason games, Michael, are out five five games. Uh, start September 26th. That's see, that's way closer than I than I, than, yeah. I, than I I feel uh, sitting here in the first week of July, of course. They'll play in Switzerland. Can't imagine who, who helped facilitate that. Um, they're going to play in Switzerland as one of their five pre uh, preseason matches. And then the season's here, so we're, we're not too far away. Let's get Forsberg signed. Let's see what happens. Let's see what the lineup looks like. See what the free agency looks like. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Where can people follow all of your work and read all of your scribings, my man? can follow me on
1: Twitter at sports underscore. You can read my almost daily preds coverage on the Nashville Post. We have some longer form stories on the Nashville scene. And a quick note about about the, the preseason. And then I think they play SC Burn at the beginning of October, and then they open the season against, is it the Bruins, I think, over in Switzerland? That's right. The, the Post will actually have coverage from that game. We have, we have a sports contributor that's gonna happen to be over there around that time. And he was like, hey, I'm gonna be there. Um, if you give me credentials, I'll cover the game for you. So we're going to have live coverage live from Switzerland of that of the Global Series
0: game. I can't imagine that the Tennessean will be there. <laughs> oh, definitely not. But, <laughs> no disrespect well, to Paul. I love you, Paul. Uh, the other Paul. No disrespect, uh, yeah. but I can't imagine Gannett's going to be sending anybody to, to to Switzerland to cover a match or a couple of yeah. games. And technically, That's... we're not we're not paying to send anyone. He's uh, uh, don't don't don't. Him. Don't, but don't don't say any of that stuff. Don't we
1: will have live coverage there. Just I don't <laughs> I don't think anyone else Teresa Walker might be the only other local yeah, she, reporter that'll be there.
0: <laughs> Teresa actually has a house there. Uh you don't know. She actually she actually lives in Europe as well, part time. Uh as well as Memphis and Southeast Asia and a variety of other locations across the globe. She's everywhere. Uh, yeah, she is, man. All right. So uh good hanging out with you, man. Thank you so much for for spending some time with us this week. We'll be talking soon, yeah. I am sure. Make sure you sure. check them out on the Twitters. Make sure you check them out on the websites as well. All the there. Make sure you go to Jasper's as well. Free parking, great food. Next evolution of the sports bar. You know the drill. Order yourself a gold standard. Support local businesses. Support four-top hospitality and Jasper's. We do appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out. For Michael, my name's Braden. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network.